0: Hey, welcome to the Talking Michigan Transportation podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Cranson. A lot has been going on the past few years at the Gordie Howe International Bridge, the giant span that will link our state with the country of Canada, and the Windsor-Detroit Bridge Authority is the body charged with overseeing the firm uh, Bridging North America. That's actually the consortium building the bridge. So I've wanted for a while to do another update. It's been some time. And today I'm really pleased to have with me Heather Grondin, who is Vice President of Corporate Affairs and External Relations for the Windsor Detroit Bridge Authority. And she's going to tell us about all the things that happened in 2022, by far the busiest construction year yet, and even more things planned for 2023. So, Heather, thank you for taking time to be here.
1: Thank you, Jeff. It's my pleasure.
0: So, let's start a little bit first before we get into the, the nuts and bolts of the bridge uh, with your background. Um, what did you do before joining the WDBA? And, uh, you know, how how did you transition from your previous career into this?
1: Great. So, um, you know, I've been working for the Canadian or the Ontario provincial government for the entirety of my career um when it comes to the Gordie Howe International Bridge Project um I've been working on this project for actually over 17 years which when I tell people that they're usually pretty surprised um not that I've been working on it for 17 years but that we that work has been going into this project for that long um I always like to remind people that the very first conversations about this project actually started in the year 2000 so we're 22 years in and I myself are 17 years in. Um, I was working with the Ontario Ministry of Transportation on the environmental study for this project back when it was the Detroit River International Crossing. And I worked on the entirety of the study. And of course, um, as many uh, Michigan listeners will know, that was a bi study, and it was certainly the biggest binational environmental study undertaken at the time. And I had the pleasure of managing the communications on the Canadian side for that part of the study. Um, I then worked on the Highway 401 extension that leads directly into um, the Canadian port of entry into the Gordie Howe International Bridge. And I uh, was able to contribute um, to the communications and the community outreach on that aspect of the project. And then in 2015, I was able to transition into the Detroit Bridge Authority and have had um, my current role since then. So I'm gonna be you know, one of the few people who has had the opportunity to work on this project from the planning period, during the procurement period, during the design period, through the construction period, and then in a few short years in the operations.
0: Well, that's pretty cool. I guess uh, I I didn't know all of that background. If, Mm -hmm. uh, If this bridge turns out anything like the Herb Gray Parkway, I think we've got a lot to look forward to.
1: I agree, I agree with that, and I think it's well on its way. Um, you know, I was uh, talking with an individual right before the holidays, and they asked, you know, which project which project do you like better, the Herb Grey Parkway or um, the Gordie Howe International Bridge? And, you know, they are both very unique experiences, and I said I couldn't choose. I love both of the, the projects but they're very different experiences. But I have the good pleasure of having the opportunity to talk with the community members and with stakeholders and really getting to see that angle of the construction of a project, which I think is unique and is the part that I like the best.
0: So what have you found? Um, Obviously there are challenges, um, you know, building any big piece of infrastructure and it's even more so when you're doing it uh, in concert with a whole nother country. what, besides the fact that we talk funny, what have you found to be interesting on, on working with this with the state of Michigan?
1: You know, um, I think that we we all have the same goal. We all want to see this bridge being built. And the focus is always, you know, why are we doing this bridge? It's for the, you know, the improvement and the effective and efficient movement of of goods and trade through this key trade corridor. But what has really come out through all of the years and through all the discussions is seeing this bridge as not necessarily, not a nation builder, although it is that, but the connector between two nations. And I don't mean the physical connector. I mean more like the social and the psychological connection between the two countries. And that hasn't necessarily brought on challenges, but it has given us a very high Standard that we need to achieve and need to reach for. It's looking past this as a piece of transportation and more like what it can do and what it means to the people who are contributing to the project and to the people who are living next door to the project. So, again, that's not so much a challenge, but it does set the expectations or the bar very high for us to achieve.
0: And it has created opportunities for cultural education and assimilation for sure.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: So talk a little bit about um, the the challenges now. I mean, I mean, progress is as visual as can be. If, yeah. if you drive down on either side of the border, um, you know, anywhere near the footprint, you're going to see those towers and you're going to see what's yeah. going on. Um, the CEO um, who's been in place for about four years has moved on and you're, you're dealing with that now. But, uh, you know, that's right there along with the other things you've had to deal with in building this giant piece of infrastructure in the midst of a 100-year you know uh, international pandemic um, Right. How do you feel like with all those things going on about where things are?
1: Yeah, you know, we're we're in a very good state. So you had mentioned earlier um you know 20, 2022 really has you know kicked off and is part of our busiest construction season. So we started construction in 2018 and 2022 really saw uh, the team working the most hours and starting to do the most complex aspects of the construction of the project. And that's just continuing into 2023. So still, you know, active across all four of our sites and really doing the most complex work that you've seen to date on the project. And yes, the pandemic now we get lots of questions about the pandemic how has it impacted the project and a couple notes on that um, number one uh, bridging north america our private sector partner put in very um good safety precautions health and safety precautions across the construction sites and as a result of that the pandemic didn't stop construct- construction construction has continued every single day. However, they did have to make some changes around their construction sequencing. And on some days, there were more people on site than other than other days. So we are still evaluating what that overall impact is. So go ahead.
0: I'm sorry, Heather. Go
1: ahead. No, I was just going to say in terms of our CEO, um, our CEO has recently resigned. Um, The government of Canada uh, got to work quick and they have the notice of opportunity, uh, which is the required process for filling um, the CEO in a Canadian crown corporation. So, that process is underway and, you know, we'll be able to move forward in the interim as that search for, search for the new CEO is ongoing.
0: So, in the coming year, you know, we're going to see another a number of milestones, you know, reached, um, starting with construction over the main span of the river, which is, you know, a, a huge deal. But the, the towers are also uh, slated to reach their full height, which is, Basically, the height of the Renaissance Center. I I I still marvel at the thought of that. But I think the reason, without getting too technical, that the reason that those towers have to be the height they are is because this will be the largest cable stay span of uh, what in the, in the country or in, or, in North
1: yeah North in America
0: North America yeah and that's, that's exact, yeah okay explain yeah. that.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. So um, when the towers are complete, they'll be about 722 feet. So that's equivalent in height to the center tower at the GM Renaissance Center. They're currently standing, the U.S. tower is at 560 feet. So we're getting very close to that ultimate height. This year, 2023, we expect to hit that ultimate height. So the final height will be reached. Um, And I I do think that tower construction and and that process um, to get the towers to the height that they're at now has really helped people realize that this project is moving full steam ahead. And to your point, yeah, the the height is really a result of the cable stay design that's being used for this bridge. Um, cable stay designs are used much more frequently now um, for um. Bridges of various lengths, but the length of, of the Gordie Howe International Bridge, for sure. And it does have that very distinctive and elegant um, look that I think is going to become very iconic and associated with the Detroit River Skyline, Detroit Windsor Skyline.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's aesthetically just really pleasing, really beautiful. And I, not to take anything away from, uh, you know, our signature bridge, the mm-hmm. Mackinac, which is a, a suspension bridge, obviously. Yep. But, um but when you see the renderings of this, and you see others uh, cable stay bridges, I think closest closest one is probably on I two eighty in Toledo. A number of yep. people might drive over that. It really is beautiful, but it has practical uh, implications too, right? There's a reason to build it that way.
1: Yeah, there is. It's you know one of one of the key decisions made with the Gordie Howe International Bridge was to put the piers on land, um, as opposed to putting the piers in the water. And this decision was made for a number of reasons. Um, Environmental considerations, recognizing um, the environmental um, aspects of the Detroit River, but also recognizing that the Detroit River is a key commercial navigation portal, and we don't want to disrupt the flow of the marine traffic down the Detroit River as well. So having the piers on land created the opportunity to need a very long span. Our main span is about half a mile or 853 meters as we would say in Canada. Um, And so that design or that length of the main span really lent itself well to a cable stay design.
0: Stay with us. We'll have more on the other side of this important message.
1: Did you know that most work zone crashes are caused by inattentive motorists? It only takes a
0: split second of distraction to dramatically change lives forever. The Michigan Department of Transportation reminds you to slow down, follow all signs, and pay attention
1: when driving through work zones because all employees deserve a safe place to work. Work zone safety. We're all in this together.
0: So let's talk a little bit about when you, you talked about staying out of the river and, you know, getting the necessary permits from the Coast Guard and others to do that. Uh, the environmental impact has been a huge consideration uh, throughout the design of this project. You talked about the earliest days, you know, back at the beginning of this uh, this millennium, uh, yeah. talking about that. Um, sustainability is is at the top of mind for everybody involved in this and is, you know, kind of informing Decisions and conversations all the way across the board. Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah. So actually, I had a very um, unique opportunity, which was to speak about this project at an international conference in Ireland. And I spoke about the sustainability aspects of the project. And you know, I, I spoke along with with people representing projects all over Europe. And this project. Went shoulder to shoulder with every, with any other project that that was being spoken to, um, the envir- the environmental aspects, the sustainability aspects, how we're looking to design this bridge in a manner that contributes to a cleaner environment, how we're looking to protect uh, communities from climate change, um, mechanisms that are being put in place to reserve resources, all of those aspects of sustainability. And then layering on top of that the work that we're doing with the community and specifically through our community benefits plan really sets this project ahead um, when it comes to sustainability and achieving some of those sustainability goals that you hear the United Nations speak about. Um, It was a real honor for me to speak about this project in that international forum and um, the reaction was very positive um, from others in the industry, really recognizing what's being done with this bridge and how it sets it apart.
0: So could you talk about a few of those specifics? What uh, what had them mesmerized?
1: Sure. So, you know, we talked about um, the design of the bridge and the materials being used for this bridge is giving it a durability that will last 125 years. And that's great from a sustainability perspective because that means that we won't need to rebuild it. Um, The inclusion of things like the multi-use path for pedestrians and cyclists. And as a reminder, uh, when the bridge is open, that path will be toll free for those pedestrians and cyclists. So really thinking about how we can, it's not just about commercial or passenger vehicles, but also pedestrians and cyclists can have the opportunity to traverse
0: over the Detroit River. And also Uh, linked to other non-motorized connections on both sides of the bridge, right?
1: That's exactly right. We've been working with the cities of Detroit and the city of Windsor, um, looking at the existing trail networks so that you'll have a place to start from and a place to go to. and it really turns this into kind into a, an ecotourism opportunity. Um, you know, talk I was able to talk a lot about our landscaping and how we're using naturalized and native landscaping um, and plantings um, to support the Carolinian landscape that's adjacent to the project site, and even things like the inclusion of a peregrine falcon box that we're inclu- including on the bridge. So these are aspects of the sustainability um, that the people really responded well to.
0: That's excellent. We've worked with the Department of Natural Resources in Michigan to do some of those peregrine boxes at various structures, and uh, it it works out really well, and it makes for some really cool photos, too.
1: Yeah, for sure. And you know what? We're lucky to have them here. Peregrine falcons aren't, you know, they're not everywhere, so we do have to take steps to protect them and draw attention to them, and this is going to be a great way to do that.
0: Oh, it's beautiful to watch them fly. It's yeah, really, really cool. That's awesome. So, um among the other things that this this bridge has it was part of the plan and you've done everything to to honor it from the start and that's it's really hard work and I got to give a huge shout out to Stephanie Campo on your team who has led this effort. But talk about the community benefits and and what has already been done and what's coming.
1: Yeah, great. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you on behalf of Stephanie. Um, So this project includes a community benefits plan and, you know, very unique. Again, I don't think you see many bi-national community benefits plans. Um, Definitely one that we have here on this project and is the result of input and time spent by the communities, both in southwest Detroit and Delray on the U.S. side and Windsor or Sandwich on the Canadian side. Um, We were able to announce our Community Benefits Plan in June of 2019, and that was after about four years of consultation and engagement, um, and it includes initiatives under a Workforce Development Strategy, which is really all about creating opportunities for local businesses and local individuals to contribute to the project. And then we have a second component, which is our Neighborhood Infrastructure Strategy, which is a $20 million total investment into the communities immediately adjacent to the project. Um, In terms of workforce, um, the project team continues to exceed their goal of having at least 20% of the workforce contributing to the project being local. And by local, we define that as uh, Detroit on the US side and then on the Canadian side, uh, Windsor-Essex. Uh, We've had over 300 apprentices or pre-apprentices working on the project. And importantly, we've had over 230 local businesses, again, local to Detroit or to Windsor-Essex, provide either goods or services. Um, And we've also had a great opportunity to partner with local uh, post-secondary institutions and have had over 250 co-op students Uh, contribute or work in some way either to the project or directly with Windsor Detroit Bridge Authority or Bridging North America. So even from the workforce side, some great stats there. On the neighborhood infrastructure strategy, you know, a few few items that may be of key interest is our Delray Home Improvement Program, which is all about providing some improvements to the homes and uh, to residents, again, who, who live most closely to the bridge and the U.S. port of entry itself. Uh, we've had over 60 uh, homeowners go through the program and are either have or are in the process or of receiving roof repair or window replacement or new HVAC systems. Um, we've also given um, to over 20 uh, not-for-profit, organizations that are located or serving Delray um, or Southwest Detroit or the equivalent on the Canadian side, um, been able to give money or funding to those organizations to support um, improvements to their facilities or to support their programming or fund specific events. So a lot of good work being done on the community benefits front. And you know, going back to what I said a little bit earlier, Those are the efforts that have helped us achieve a little bit more about this project and recognizing, yes, transportation is key. It's why we're here, but we can do more and we have been doing more to really connect the communities through this project.
0: Yeah, the outreach and the transparency and communications, I know at least uh, on the Detroit side, the people with those um, often underserved neighborhoods has been very impressive. I mean, to the point that some of those community leaders were in tears at, uh, at some of the community benefits announcements, and I just think that's a real tribute to your folks and everything they've done to stay in touch with those people and help them understand everything that's going on. And I'll provide links uh, in the show notes to a lot of the cool things that WDB has done uh, with videos of the, of the project footprint, the year in review, uh, the flyovers, and, uh, and some nice photos of the, the co-ops that you've just mentioned in that, yeah. in that program. So uh, what else um, in the last couple of minutes would you want people to know uh, about the project and you know, where it's going?
1: Yeah, well, I definitely encourage people. Thank you for giving the shout out and providing the links to our social media and our website. I definitely encourage people to keep tracking um, and keeping watch on those links. This is going to be a really exciting year for us. So 2023, people are going to see a lot of work. As we've talked about, we expect that the towers are going to reach their full height. Uh, You're going to start seeing the main span being constructed over the Detroit River, uh, which will also be exciting to see. And very soon people are going to see the very first cables um, connected from the bridge towers to the main span. And all of this is going to, you know, you're really going to start seeing that shape of the cable stay bridge coming, coming into focus with the work that people are going to see in 2023. So, you know, I, I guess my bottom line is, you know, watch us on social media, um, you know, stay tuned and you'll see lots of great work this year.
0: Well, and by very soon, I mean, we're recording on Wednesday, January 11th. You mean very soon, um, mm-hmm. with the cables, uh, talk a little bit about that, that process and why that will be so visual actually, uh, you know, putting up those cable strands.
1: Yeah, so, you know, a key aspect in the construction of the tower. So, you know, many people will see the main towers out there. They see the connection that's, that's, you know, we've gone from the two separate legs on each tower that have now connected into the main pylon that's building its way up. On top of that main pylon is... Um, what's being placed is called anchor boxes. And those anchor boxes are going to house the cables that make the cables that make the cable stay bridge. Um, what people are going to see very soon is the first cable connecting from those tower boxes at the very top of the tower down to the span that's um, on the land side of the tower and then also on then subsequently on the water side. It's really important that we're doing that work now because the approach that's being cons- taken to for the entirety of the bridge is what's called an unbalanced cantilever approach. And so that means we have to build the backside first and then create a create um, some balance with how the, t- the cables are being installed. Uh, people, the construction team will be bringing the uh, main span deck pieces from the back of the bridge, so over the land portion, and then placing them over the water and then ultimately meeting in the middle. So the the placement of the cables now is important to that overall bridge construction approach. Um, I do wanna note with that, um, because of this construction approach that's being taken, this unbalanced cantilever approach, which brings the pieces from the land over the water, we will not have to do construction from the, the water itself from the Detroit River so we won't be lifting pieces of the bridge deck from the water and again that's working to uh, limit the impact to our uh, marine partners.
0: Yeah it helps with navigability but it also has an uh, environmental positive effect too. So, exactly. Good all the way around. Thank okay. you Heather this was uh, very informative and I look forward uh, in the coming months to uh, you know, maybe doing an update again and uh, continuing to work with you and your team.
1: Be happy to come back anytime, Jeff.
0: I hope you enjoyed this week's edition of the Talking Michigan Transportation podcast. You can find show notes and more information at either the Buzzsprout site or on Apple Podcasts. I also want to thank the people who work on this podcast and make it as good as it can be each week. Chiefly, Randy Debler, who does the audio editing. Also, Jackie Salinas, who puts the transcript together. Jesse Ball, who proofreads the show notes. And Courtney Bates, who posts the podcasts on the various platforms.